Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer today. Uh, again, of course, a, a lot of uh, ruckus over the uh, component within the infrastructure bill that will require uh, new automobiles to have uh, a breathalyzer detection system built in uh, by 2026. And uh, so, of course, for a lot of people, that was, wait a minute, I don't want that kind of intrusion into my life. To others, it was like, well... That might clean up the roads a little bit. That might prevent some uh, drunk driving deaths. Uh, we know uh, right here in the state of Utah, uh, many said, well, we've, we've had a lot of long w- wrong way uh, driving incidents just this year alone, and uh, those were all alcohol-related. And, and so as you start to balance that out and you start looking at, okay, what is the right level of intrusion that the government should be able to make into our lives? And yet you really have to play these out. And I think it's important for all of us, uh, regardless of, of what you think. And again, that's why we started uh, with this uh, piece in Politico last week uh, about uh, the prohibitionists that have also often been made out to be the bad guys, that they were just this, you know, Puritan minded, uh, you know, abstinence minded uh, folks uh, who just wanted to control everything. And uh, the reality was it, it wasn't about the uh, the drink or the drunk. It was about those selling it and moving it and the impact it was having on communities and individuals. So there's always much more to see beyond the headlines in all of these. And so I want to go to a a different example uh, in terms of how something that sounds good at the beginning, uh, you have to be careful in terms of the level of intrusion and even targeting that it can create on the back end. Uh, So when it comes to that intrusion, surveillance, uh, many of us can, you know, welcome some of those things. Uh, some people say, as we've been saying, you know, I, I have nothing to hide, so fire away. Uh, and and while that's a good thing to have that kind of confidence that, yeah, I have nothing to hide in my bank account or when I start up my car in the morning, although we have heard that uh, if you gargle with Listerine, some of those breathalyzers may trigger, uh, which may trigger a series of events uh, for a dad or a mom trying to get kids to school or off to work. Uh, but those things, I think, will get would get sorted out in the end. Uh, the thing that I worry about in this I have nothing to hide mode is you just have to be careful where it ultimately leads. Uh, we also know uh, that as part of many of the uh, the packages that have been moving through Congress this year, uh, one, of course, gave the IRS uh, ability to access information, our bank accounts, anyone who had transactions of over a certain amount, uh, which would basically be everybody in the country. Uh, that the IRS could monitor and extract information from those. Uh, So where do you draw the line is really the question I'm getting at today. 
And sometimes what we think is the line or we think is a good control uh, often requires us to rethink and reassess where we really are. So I want to take you back now to 2019. This was a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, and uh, this was dealing with the FISA application process. Uh, so FISA is is the Foreign uh, Information and Surveillance Act, so the ability to spy on people. And, of course, uh, you shouldn't be able to do that to just spy on any American just because you want to. You should have to go to a FISA court and make your case uh, and say that, you know, this is why we need to do wiretapping or surveillance on this particular individual and present probable cause and all those things that you do in that in that process. Uh, for many years, uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee has warned that it could be abused. And he had many a debate back and forth uh, with some of his colleagues in Congress, uh, including Senator Ben Sass, also a Republican uh, from the state of Nebraska. And in this Judiciary Committee hearing from 2019, uh, it became very clear that people had used this FISA process in precisely the way that Senator Lee had warned would be the abuse, again, by either side of the political aisle. And so Senator Sass had to step back and say, okay, now we need to think this through a little bit because what I thought would never happen in the FBI or the CIA is clearly happening. And that should concern all of us. Take a listen. The approval rating of applications that come before the FISC are off the charts. I don't know the current numbers, but a couple of years ago when I saw them, I think it was 97.9%. Is that, is that a fair? I think it was the last number I saw was roughly 98%. Okay, so a 98% approval rating of applications that come before the FISC. Why would it be that high? People would normally say, and I'm, I'm not asking you to answer that. I'm saying that the good answer is in an ex parte, I'm not an attorney, but an ex parte proceeding before the court, when you, the American citizen who might be being surveilled or be suspected of something that would open a surveillance uh, warrant against you, the assumption would be if you can't be there to defend yourself, it's because the department's lawyers are so super scrupulous that if there's any information that might exonerate you or that might counteract the view that led them to first pursue a theory of the case that had them wanting to surveil you, they would say the bar is so high here, we'll always err on the side of privacy unless we believe there's a good reason to pursue this investigation. And so Mike Lee has warned me for four and a half years, the potential for abuse in this space is terrible. Uh, Senator Sass went on to point out that uh, such a massive failure in the Department of Justice and the FBI uh, is really bad news for all all Americans of all political persuasions. This is arguably the second, third, or fourth most important investigation in the history of the FBI. If this can happen in an investigation where they would expect there's going to be a lot of subsequent scrutiny, what, what is your suspicion about what happens in a regular FISA application or renewal process? If the American people hear this and they say this can happen against a campaign for the presidency of the United States, what happens in an ordinary FISA case? Finally, Senator Sass uh, said that this issue uh, of what had happened. So, again, these FISA courts are designed to have a process so that if we needed to, according to the FBI, uh, needed to investigate someone or monitor or sur do surveillance on someone because we thought they were a, you know, a foreign threat, uh, that you could do that. But the problem is, is that what started as, oh, well, that's good. We can go through it that way. Suddenly it was being used to, to tap into presidential campaigns. What happens when it starts targeting individual citizens? Uh, and that's the real 
point of it. So Senator Sass uh, finally said that the the issue of uh, all of this distracts us from the real enemies and it erodes the American people's trust in the institution, which is something we often talk about. We should be having an advanced conversation about 2024, 2028, and 2032 when China with deep fakes runs influence operations against us that are going to be far more sophisticated and far more dangerous than this. And so if the Bureau functions this poorly during a moment like this, when we actually have a really sophisticated attack against the U.S., we're going to have a much, much bigger problem if the American people don't think they can trust this. So I think the thing we have to to work through in all of these things, whether breath breathalyzers should be mandated in in cars, we can have that debate. We can talk about safety on the roads, uh, mothers against drunk drivers. We can do all of those things, and all of those are important parts of the conversation. And uh, we also have to make sure that we've gone through all of the processes to make sure that it can't be used as a way to target. Uh, again, as we saw with the FISA courts. Uh, as we also saw with the IRS, uh, was weaponized and able to target specific individuals. So we have to be careful just because you might be able to say, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to fear. Uh, that should make you a little nervous because there's a lot more to it. We'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.